Hey, hi, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly NFW itself. I'm Nick. I'm feeling cool. I'm the I'm the host of this thing. And let me tell you, this episode with guest Jamie Loftus, <laughs> with guest Jamie Loftus, is uh, it's a blast from the past. I think I recorded it in in late 2016 or um no late 2017 or early 2018 and uh it was when i was trying to get the idea for a podcast together i think i'd already basically figured out that it would be like how it is now uh but i was interviewing a few different people a lot of those the mics i had weren't as good as the mics i have now so um it was just a bit of a different thing that one however was recorded by my friend george chen who uh, does a uh, sup doc, uh, a great documentary film podcast. And uh, he recorded me talking to Jamie Loftus, who is a Los Angeles based uh, comedian, uh, really funny, absurd, smart, uh, you know, pushes the limit sometimes <laughs> in terms of um, her commitment. To stuff, her commitment to things like eating infinite jest, joining Mensa, and getting kicked out of Mensa, and uh, unfortunately, she's done a lot since. Well, fortunately for her, but unfortunately for the continuity of all of this, we don't even get into the half of it because this is years old. And since then, you know, she's had um, one woman shows. She's been hired as a writer for Robot Chicken. Um, she made a Comedy Central web series called uh, Irrational Fears, and uh, she's just doing a lot. So um, just go to her website or her Twitter, and you will be finding out a lot. She also had her Twitter removed for a while because of making Mensa mad. It was all pretty intense. Anyway, we do get into Mensa a bit, I think, in this conversation, and uh, I just really admire Jamie and... Um, her wildness and her obsession with Zambonis and getting tattoos that she doesn't necessarily enjoy having. So this is an older interview, but I'm glad I had it in the can. Thank you for Andy uh, Lloyd to Andy Lloyd for um, putting it together, producing it. And um, if you want to know more about what I'm up to, go to theflans.com, join the newsletter, uh, tinyletter.com slash Nick Flanagan is another way. I don't send out the newsletters that often. Should I send out more? I, I'm not never sure about the regularity of it. Um, yeah, but I am going to try and do a lot more regular podcasting in this new year. So hopefully I'll have one up for you, uh, a solo episode of the last uh, next few days. Plus, if you want to ask me a question that I will answer on the podcast, W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com is the email address. If I have never responded back to you and you've sent me a message, I'm sorry. Sometimes I screw up. But uh, send me a thing and I'll, I'll answer it unless it is law-breaking as a question. And uh, yeah, for now, enjoy Jamie Loftus. Bye. So the first, the, I'm here with the, the great... 
Boston's last great white hope. <laughs> Jamie Loftus, uh, Hi. a comedian, uh-huh. illustrator. Mean... Yes. Vlogger. Um, not really. Upcoming vlogger to be. No, yeah, you really lit a fire under it. Now, listen, let's not rule it out. I think it would be great. I'd love to see your your unboxing reactions. A a vlog, a vlog, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. I've participated in an unboxing thing once, but I don't think it ever got released. And I think that that's maybe for the best. Oh, there's so many things I want to ask you. There's so many boxes to open. (laughs) Ask you all about the different boxes. Millennials. You just what are millennials? All these millennials opening boxes. What are they doing? Back in my day, we boxes uh, were the present. They're whoa. <laughs> um, I don't know why there's a pop screen and a pop screen on this uh, microphone. I like it. The I'm attention not... to detail is off the charts. Yeah, off, off the chain. Off uh, the... <laughs> illustrator, animator, mm-hmm. uh, stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. um, performance artist. Sometimes, I guess. I don't know. I mean, because you do a lot of one person shows yeah yeah and those shows seem like they're kind of conceptual in nature yeah they're not i yeah they're not stand-up for sure there's not stand-up but it's performing for a long time and it's hopefully funny so i I guess uh i don't know i don't know performance art i'm like where do it like i don't i mean i guess so um it's a hard question i don't mean to and i also think something happened in via because of um a lot of different things in the last 10 years mm. to sort of move the goalpost of uh, like what, perf- how, how that performance art is very funny basically. And yeah. that it kind of is comedy. I don't know. Yeah. Like the t- sort of Tim and Eric style or the way that like Twitter is, you know, in yeah. a way with its sort of dangling participles and like strange cathartic craziness or yeah. you know and obvi- obviously you're you're a twitterer i am well yeah until i was my ass got banned i haven't got you back yet i've been off for a month okay we got to go back to that okay in a yeah second. i should but but i'm gonna say the last thing you do okay now okay the last thing you do i'm sure you do do you play you know how to play a lot of musical instruments i i know how to, uh not really i know how to play the oboe okay the oboe uh-huh <laughs> um dancer dancer like, are you really a dancer? Um, because I know that you perform the Nutcracker uh, annually, sometimes more. Yeah, this I've I've done it two years running and no intention of stopping. Okay, so you're going to that's the plan, and then is, I've done Swan Lake twice as well. Uh huh, Swan Lake, and so you have also done Swan Lake and the Nutcracker. And are you a, mm-hmm. so you're a ballet dancer to some level? I used to be very much so, and then uh-huh. as an adult, uh, only as a joke. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I grew, I, I like danced for 15 years growing up, was very, very into it, had the like eating disorder and everything, Aww. had it all. Well, we, you know, by the way, it was that's, what a weird response to saying you have an eating disorder. I guess, no, it, I had the right response. Which uh, is empathy, no, it, I was hoping for I, I said it all. Oh, 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 no. no. I, I really don't like to hear that. <laughs> You know, it's you know we were uh, we were all we were all doing it. We were all doing it. We were all. I feel like yeah. I feel like fucking Robert Plant. We were all doing it. Well, I would say that if you can sort of twist that around, there's another type of eating disorder you can have where you just 
sadly eat things and mm -hmm. you don't even taste them. And I think that one might be better than the other one. That Easier on the teeth as long as you're brushing your teeth. Definitely. As long as you're caring for your teeth, which we were talking about earlier. Tooth care is important. Tooth. I Listen, tooth talk. Tooth. Tooth, tooth talk. Tooth talk. Tooth talk. Um, so you're banned from Twitter. I am currently banned from Twitter, yeah. You're banned from Twitter because it's so, I don't know, this is insane to me, the reasoning, and this is... It is a weird, like, I, and, and at this point, I, I've sort of not acted on it for a little bit mm -hmm. uh, because it just thinking about it makes me tired and kind of mad. But I, so I've had the same Twitter account since I was 14, I think. And are you, got are it you're in like 23 now, 24? I'm 25. 25? Extremely old. That makes me feel good. They're oh, well, good. It makes me feel bad. No, I know, but there's something about when people are 25 that I don't feel like uh, I'm watching like a baby be the most amazing thing I've ever seen. When like someone who's really good at stuff and doing a lot of stuff, if they're under 25, I'm just like, well, that hangs it. And somehow now right. I'm like, I'm like, well, I am only 12 years older than this person. I've still got time <laughs> to improve. I do feel, yeah, 25 does imply a certain adultness that I I, uh, I don't care for. But, oh. uh, yeah, so I, I had the same Twitter account. I was like a super early adopter in high school and had it forever. And then I made these like little videos during the Olympics. Um, okay. Uh, I, I had made these videos during the Olympics where I would switch out um, – figure skaters music with like audiobooks and like alan alda's oscar speech and like i would just switch out the audio and repost them and uh <laughs> someone the ioc figured alan out this oscar speech from little bit sunshine oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> it's a yeah. good oh sorry alan arkin i was thinking of the was wrong like, alan oh that's well alan i mean, I, I mean this is something that's probably gonna happen on this podcast a lot where i just go that's great there, that was a great when alan alda won the oscar for his role in the movie they're the I'm same gonna just, guy I'm gonna go with people's assertions no. that's an important thing about podcasts you have to like basically agree with what everyone says. <laughs> There's such a level of, I love bullshitting it on a podcast is the greatest thing. They're on, uh, I have a movie podcast and there's been, the I think. Bechtel test. The Bechtel cast. The, yeah, the, the Bechtel cast. And yeah. there's been, I think, two episodes where like way later, like six months later, I'll tell my co-host, I'm like, yeah, I never watched that movie. And oh then if you God. listen to the episode, there's an episode we did uh, on The Matrix uh -huh. where it's like we have a guest. So it's like if I'm if I'm just it's like, oh, weird, Jamie's really not participating that much and really uh, piggybacking on the bits of others. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did not watch The Matrix. Still has, <laughs> have not seen it to this day. Well, you know, The Matrix is one of the first uh, commercial film websites. I remember there was an ad Ooh. at the end of the, the trailer. that said, this is the Matrix. What is the Matrix dot com? And you'd go to it. It's very hackery. Yeah. Oh, 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 the hackeriness of the Matrix when it came up. Honestly, <laughs> it felt like there were all these movies that were just very explicitly about interneting up until that point. You had like hackers. I've hacked into the mainframe. You had like hackers. Motherboard. You had, you had, you had uh, the net. That was another the big net. one. Love the net. And um, Lawnmower Man, I guess. That was really more about just like a guy who makes a computer program that is a makes a guy another guy smart have you seen that one no what, who's in that um jeff fahey and um pierce brosnan Ooh, yeah. that was george chen recording oh. us he he agreed he really wanted to I make sure a, i had the cast right i love for, a brosnan joint and a chimpanzee 
and a chimpanzee. And yeah, a chimpanzee? Like a for okay, that's a that's a critical detail that <laughs> now I'll definitely watch it. I don't really remember the chimpanzee. So not in a prominent role. Jeff Fahey was Chucky, by the way, in case. You Jeff, know. I would say that did not ring Chucky a bell for me. Okay, okay. So From Child's Play. This is his. This is his big second act. This movie. Come on, we're in. In 1991 was his big. <laughs> second act. I'm sure he's doing something. He seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, he's on an episode of Big Love. Right, like someone yeah. who'll pop up, and you're like, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more neutral, but I mean, I'll be like. Hey, there he is. There he is. <laughs> hey. Um, so uh, getting back to this, you were swapping out the audio for, uh, for Olympic stuff. And yes. you, you, of course, coming from a background of not of not giving an F about. Oh, yeah. My punk rock tood. Your tood. Yeah. I you're like, punk no one's going to no no care. I'm repurposing it. No one's going to see this. And I, and I do think that it is like legal under parody law to do. But uh, the IOC uh, flagged it somehow. I don't know mm. if they have something that like spots their footage being used or something like that. But either way, I received uh, six complaints from the IOC. Twitter suspended my account immediately. And I had to like go through all these appeals. I had to like, they were such fucking babies about it. Like they were like, we request an individual apology for every what? infraction of blah, blah, blah. Wow. So I had to write the IOC six letters apologizing they didn't respond uh, appealed it to twitter they were like well if the ioc says it's okay we'll give you your account back ioc doesn't respond doesn't take my calls doesn't do anything so then i filed like a complaint saying well i think what i'm doing is fair use mm -hmm. and twitter was like actually we're gonna need you to just like walk into traffic and so uh, as it stands, I still don't have my thing back. So next up, I guess I'm going to try to like talk to someone at Twitter. It's so hard to talk to, to like find someone to speak to. Yeah, I was trying to get my Twitter archive for the longest time. And there was some screw up where like it hadn't confirmed. My, this is not important, but I, computer, this is not important. Computer. Um, but I just remember trying to do that was trying to get anything. They, they send these automated messages and it's very right. odd. And, I mean, you can't talk to a, I feel like I sound like my dad. I'm like, you can't talk to a person at Twitter. Like I went to yeah. the support page and it was just like, actually, we don't do people anymore. So good luck, bitch. And so <laughs> you just like have to keep filing appeals and getting the same message. I mean, so if anyone knows anyone at Twitter.com. Twitter Hook hook me up because no one wants to. No one wants to. Um, now you're probably. I mean, I think I am assuming that because it's an international commission, that's a big reason why there's such a holes about it. Because yeah. you're not dealing with like Americans who at this point are like, yeah, that's chill about like nine hundred right. ten sort of weird things like that or comments. Seemingly the IOC, you know? yeah, they're like but notoriously little all the a holes countries. too. Yeah. yeah, like they're they're known for being obnoxious but it's like i don't i don't know i if i i, I just i don't want to get into a fist fight with the ioc i just want my little account back well your account was uh i mean i think that's why i felt uh i feel so comfortable with you considering we actually don't see each other all that much right, right. but it's because your twitter account and i guess to, let's say your twitter account mm -hmm. that was such a lifeline to your thoughts and feelings I know. Very, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I feel, feel like very you tweeted empty. a lot every day. I, do, I did. And now I've been trying to take it over to Instagram stories. And it's 
not it's, it's not the same. It's more effort. It's more yeah, and you have to add some sort of visual stimulant. Yeah. It's I want my Twitter back. Yeah, and stories uh, I, I go like, away; they disappear. But they are forever. But they archive. They, well, not for other people. Yeah. Other for me, I can go back in the log and be like, oh, well, we're having a day. <laughs> why did you? Um, why did you tweet so much? Why did I tweet so much? Oh, yeah. geez, I don't know. I I think that like it just uh, was. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm kind of hardwired to to do it because I've been doing it since I was 14. You know, Twitter is. It's like my. There's no. There's been no point in my adult tool. life when I've not been using Twitter as like a way to get tiny thoughts out or like work out uh -huh. ideas over a course of time. I mean, I requested my Twitter archive, and going back and seeing what my tweets were like in like 2007 or 2008, mm -hmm. it's the exact opposite of what someone told me. Where I, I someone said. Um, you know, if I hear something I said on the radio last week and I agree with it, when I hear it like a week later, I'm like, that's great because that means I'm consistent. It's like, I, I, I'm never, you know, I, I, eight years ago, 10 years ago, I was writing stuff. I'll read it and it sounds like a seventh grader or something. And I mean, right, obviously yeah. I'll be ch checking that in my stuff now in 10 years and I'll be like, you still sound like a seventh grader. That's, I'm, and now I'm like in my, I like, cause I do think I'll get my account back, but then it's like, there's just going to be this gape. There'll be a month where it's just like, what happened? We don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to go through all my other, uh, disturbing little social media slash my Evernote is kind of a horrifying thought graveyard that I Your can Evernote. I think I'm the only person still on Evernote, but yeah. I got Evernote when I got a Samsung and I was like, I love this. <laughs> wow. And then it's I haven't used it. It's the notes app. I, for some reason, I pay four dollars a month to use Evernote. Like, I yeah, might, you have to charge. There's a pay a way you can pay to use Evernote. If you're it, you have to be using Evernote a lot <laughs> to have to pay to use it. And I, but I like record all my stand-up sets and put them in various Evernotes. Do you listen to your stand-up sets? No, but I have them all. If I ever um, decide I want to, <laughs> I record a lot of them too. Ever since that uh, smartphone thing happened, I just didn't see a, an excuse not to because I used to, you know, fall over myself to get like, I would have a micro cassette recorder, I would have cassette recorders and I'd mm -hmm. bring them to shows and I would tape my sets sometimes. Uh, and yeah, now it's like mostly I don't listen to my stuff. And then also, um, but I think if I listen to my sets more, mm -hmm. The general public would too. I think it would be. I think it would be like beneficial for me to do, but I don't do it enough. There are there are times where I'll I'll be like, oh, this worked on this day. I wonder why. Let me figure that out. But in my mind, uh -huh. an outsider uh -huh. looking at uh, what you're doing, what you've been doing in the two and a half years, let's say, since we've been in in each other's orbit, mm -hmm. let's say, um, you're to me always doing something your mind moves pretty fast seemingly active active mind yes and you have the means generally to express yourself your mind and so your mind is always you're actually able to almost output in like the fastest manner possible or something yeah yeah i, I guess so why do you, where, where is this flurry? I think that's the age thing is I was like, even my friend is you know, a few years younger than me and he was like doing all these all nighters this week to like work on something that I was working on. I'm so unable to do that kind of thing 
anymore? Sometimes I don't. I mean, I've had to figure it out. I mean, for a while, I feel like the first five until I was like 23, I was just on like this manic binge and had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then I figured that out, hit a bit, hit a wall. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's why I can do that. But it will also ruin other areas of my life Mm -hmm. and then i got that under control but i still have like all the energy and it was just a matter of finding a way to better more effectively channel it but i i I guess i especially since i moved here i just spent a lot of time um trying to find ways to make stuff that doesn't require that i rely on other people because other people slow things down um, oh, actually, I, do, I just remembered one of my favorite videos of yours, which is uh, you dancing in front of the train. Oh, yeah. And my brother so, and I made that. So healing. Very, yeah, it was so much fun. That's a very healing video you made. Like <laughs> um, where, yeah. did you, where did you take that? Oh, video? Travel Town in Griffith Park. It's just like. Oh, this, that's a Travel Town. <laughs> that's field, field, just a field of trains. Yeah, I brought, that was my brother's first time in LA. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I'm bringing to Travel Town. We had so much fun. Is your brother a comedian? He's a filmmaker. Uh, he, But he's still in college. He's young. Is your family uh, artistic? Um, No, they're very funny and they're, they're, they're all funny and they're, uh, I was going to say they're smart, but I don't know. They're they're all very funny. Uh, my dad is a sports reporter. My mm-hmm. mom's a second grade teacher, and my brother is a student. Mm-hmm. And they were they've always this been is in very Boston, in right outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've always been really supportive of all of my shit to the point where it's like they are, they're kind of involved in some of it in some ways at certain times. So were you doing this kind of stuff as a teenager? uh artistic stuff yeah 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 i was always like drawing rats drawing rats just like taking on these weird ambitious projects that no one asked me to do Uh which is like yeah i was like a weird precocious teenager right did a lot of different shit yeah that's cool yeah and they were going out to shows like were you um were you like a teenager who was you went out and that inspired to create or were you someone who was more in your room making things and were like, how can I do this? Very much inside mm-hmm. as a teenager. I, yeah, I had like a back brace. I was like a weird <laughs> kid. And so it was- Like, was it for show or was it a real back? Like, was it, it was not a performative back brace, if you can believe. I had- Like a walking stick? Or I had a, really, know. I had really bad scoliosis. And so from when I was mm. like, I think 12 to 16, I wore a series of back braces in school. And it was just like, I didn't get as much shit for it than I think I would have almost anywhere else. But I went to this very big urban high school where there were too many kids for you to have a consistent bully. And so I (laughs) sort of was like coasted through that way. But yeah, I mean, there, there were, I had a few outlets and I had a few good friends, but for the most part, I was very much introverted and inside. Um, yeah, that's good. And so you were at home. Yeah, I was very well behaved. And you were drawing and dancing? I, I wasn't drawing at that point, but I was I was writing a lot. Uh-huh. I, I used to like want to be an author of books and that was like my, my big ambition in the world. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so I was doing that. I would read a lot. Uh, I would make like little short films with my friends. And uh, yeah, I played the oboe and I was the dance captain. The dance captain was the only social currency I had in school, but that was like- Sounds like some currency though. It was something. It was enough to at least level me out on everything else I did was fucking loser city. Would people so. ever be like, would people ever be like, era, Jamie, uh, you gotta put my girlfriend on the team. Yeah, else, people uh, from Boston are Australian. Or else we're gonna have to, <laughs> we're gonna have to go on a walkabout. We're gonna have to go on a walkabout, you know. <laughs> if you don't, there. <laughs> you don't put her on the, she's gotta put be her best. on the fucking she's team. Be the string. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the dance captain thing was like the only thing that I had going for me socially. And I think was kind of like a lesson for me at that time of like, I don't know that I, I know for sure I was not like cool enough mm -hmm. to be the dance captain or be in that social circle. And I didn't really hang out with those girls, mm -hmm. but it was like the first, my first experience of like, well, I just have to be good enough that they can't not have me be the dance captain. Uh, so I just worked really, really hard at it, even though socially I had no reason to be there. Right. Yeah. Um, I was in my, I, I, was, I did drama in, in high school and I remember same, same. I was very, the teacher was like, not, I was easily, clearly the most enthusiastic about performance in the crowd in in the in the the that particular class because it wasn't like a big you know art school or anything mm -hmm. and my teacher was just so discouraging she never really really I, well she just would never make a thing like that i had she'd never note that even when i got the highest marks in the class and got the drama award it's like i never got told it was a good thing that's such a weird Man, I had a, such a great drama And that's teacher. when I stopped making an effort. That was the, that's the really? whole reason why the effort level that I put forth now is this uh, wow. small, embittered energy that, <laughs> you know, somehow has a radiance to it. I can't really there, explain. It's, you're glowing. <laughs> you're fully glowing. I, I, I had a especially bunch of, my teeth. I had a bunch of great schools in, or a bunch, a bunch of great teachers in school where, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, cause I grew up kind of in a shithole, but like my high school was like awesome. Did you grow up in Mystic River? I no, I didn't grow up in Mystic River. I grew up in uh, the town. A really, <laughs> that's the thing. There's no like <laughs> media representation of Boston that would describe where I grew up. Like, uh, but it's it was a very uh, majority uh, Haitian immigrant city. It was really uh -huh. big, and um, it had like kind of a weird sort of reputation but it was like very diverse and i really liked growing up there and uh but it but it was always like if you tell people you're from brockton they're like ooh, brockton scary i always uh i actually was just talking about this with some people from boston i met at a show because i'd i'd read right for meeting these boston people i'd read about um a nazi guy from boston or whatever and you know, Boston and Providence and, and uh, yeah. there's like this interesting, I mean, rep, there's a rep for maybe being a hotbed of like racism or whatever, but mm -hmm. how earned is, do you think that is? Or Well, um, it's, well, like I was saying, it's, it's so, it, it was weird to me. Like once I was living outside, especially once I moved here and like, mm. I knew how like Boston is represented generally mm. in like media, but then especially once I left, I was like, 
that was never my experience of Massachusetts yeah. at all because I grew up in like a majority non-white city and right. yeah. like and then moved to Boston which mm-hmm. which is definitely less diverse than LA but not a not diverse city it's, at all right and it is it a is progressive a, city I always thought yeah so yeah. I think I think that we kind of get a bad rap and not not to say that shit doesn't go down but uh it's as far as it being like this like hotbed of racism and intolerance that's uh in the 23 years I lived there was never my experience do you um think that it's uh these towns there's always these, there's this thing where the there's like working class white people wind up being the um the public face very often in these cities like boston's face to me is like right. sort of you know the fighter uh mystic <laughs> right River, which is so um, yeah i mean town, you know whatever southeast right and yeah. uh they're always these sort of and they're, they're lionized. I mean, they're really made into these like larger than life concepts of people that are, right. uh, but they're so very white. They're and, so and, and very like, uh, uh, but yeah, and and I and it just seems like that poorer white people being pitted against other races or something is like a constant thing that happens with American stuff. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, speaking to like. Massachusetts I can't like there's so few things I can think of that don't take place in either Southie which is truly a small neighborhood that isn't even like that either because I used to work for the Boston Globe and like with you know it's like was all around the city and reporting on places and it's not a fucking Ben Affleck movie and then the other and then and then the only other area you see is (laughs) like Harvard the only and other era you see? Era, this, what what regional accent the is era. that? Era? <laughs> I mean, where are the Kennedys from? The, era, the Kennedys speak a fucking disturb. <laughs> and then there's the Kennedys, who Holy I am thing. who I am obsessed with. But also, like, it's like you see like white trash, like cartoonish white trash. Yes. And then you see Harvard. And then yes. where is everybody else? They uh they don't get anything. Yeah. And then there's but I do think that there is – there's art schools in, in Providence and there's these schools of yeah. higher learning in Boston. I love Providence. And it's, it is yeah. a shithole in a lot yeah. of ways and so is, so is Boston. But it's – in terms of like art scene, music especially in mm-hmm. Boston is so great. And like yeah. the, the punk scene in I've Boston. Done great, had a lot of fun in, there, in Boston. Yeah. I performed at the uh, – Middle East, I guess, and then and uh, is there a place called TT the Bear? No, T- there is a place yeah. called TT the Bears. Bears. I used to love it there. Uh, the Middle East. Uh, I've been all over. I did comedy at uh, somewhere with, uh, most most times I've done comedy with Neil Hamburger there. Oh, cool! But then my so band like Great Scott and shit like yes, that. Yes, I played Great Scott yeah, with yeah. Uh, Neil Hamburger. Uh, nice. Uh, very, very much like within days of my father dying. Oh wow! Which was uh, smooth sailing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a great. very positive experience. It actually was. I talked to someone the other day, and he was like, that's that's the best time you could go on tour. And he was kind of right in that. Uh, Just like uh, having a task in front of you. Yeah, I wasn't spending that much extra money. <laughs> you true. know, I'm like getting true, loaded. True, true, but I, true. I, I did pull. I had stuff I had to do and was doing it. It was honestly, um, and my family was, the rest of my family was basically fine with it. Because it was honestly in like the three days in between the death mm-hmm. and the uh, return. 
Wow. No, not the return. The return. The oh, your dad is Jesus Christ, and I mean, he was I going to come back. I mean, I like that. Right, you know, right, right. Was, uh, but um, I completely derailed it with talking about death. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess the actual thing that I, I I think about with with those areas, Providence and Boston, is that it seems like there's a kind of that this nihilism culture that's almost like that 4chan thing um you know it's not like that though i don't know it's it's so that that and every time i go back there it's like i was like oh man there should be something in the world like that is an accurate representation of what what people like there are are like because it gets it's it's weird i i don't know and and when people have never been to boston i was like well i guess like there's not really a specific reason to go but it's not yeah a bad like it's it's a good place there a hard time getting around boston that's the problem it's very confusing yeah yes. everywhere is a different town cabs mm-hmm. might not pick you up you know like ubers make it better and and then uh, you're in Alston. Suddenly, next thing you know, you're yeah. in. Yeah, I I did the Alston thing for for a couple of years, yeah. uh, and then I moved to Cambridge. It's cute over there. And then I Alston's great. Yeah, yeah. Like, but once you turn like 22, you have to leave. You have <laughs> to get out. Um, and I moved to Cambridge. Did and you go to school there? I did. Yeah, I went to Emerson. Went to Emerson. Yeah. God. Uh, the first time I met someone who went to Harvard, it was in Boston. And I was just makes like, sense. How is this possible? How? I mean, you <laughs> go to this fancy school, and I'm talking to you because I just uh, have no conception of uh, post-secondary schooling. <laughs> and I didn't realize that if you're going to go to America and try to make something of yourself, you basically it's a lot better to have like a neat school to say you went to. Oh, for yeah, you know, that makes but sense. I don't have that. There. <laughs> so, what school should I say I went to? So you went to MIT. Because yeah. then Harvard sounds like a lie, but MIT people will believe. I'm a midi. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little. I'm a little. I'm a little mitten. I'm a mitten. I'm a mitten. Um, MIT is weird. They're they're like all such, and it's cool because once I started doing comedy, like they're they're like losers, right? Mm-hmm. And they have this. They're so like socially <laughs> awkward that they made their own comedy club on campus that only people from MIT could go to and they would like email you if they liked your comedy and they'd be like, "Hey, you want to come to our little our little club?" and then you'd go in and like it's the floors light up because they're like geniuses and it's like this whole tech room right. and it's like beautiful and the tech is amazing mm-hmm. and then it's like but everyone's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like they're like, "Welcome to our secret little comedy club." I was like, "You fucking little dirt freaks." It was weird, but it was fun. I think Love Tom those Lehrer, was he a teacher at uh, MIT? He was a science teacher. Was were, he? Yeah. And and uh, then he had this five-year career in the 1960s and then went back to being a science teacher where he, I believe he still teaches or maybe he just wow. died. I, you know, he told me that Jason Maglas told me he taught at UC Santa Cruz. Oh, maybe. Okay. Oh, UC wow. Santa Cruz. But he was, I think, maybe on the East Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry Interesting. Tom Lehrer, are you, are you a big fan? Fan of the cast. Have you ever heard Tom Lehrer? No, I don't think so. Tom Lehrer is like the oldest timey. He's like the original version of like the guy at the piano who's like, let's talk about this. But it's actually really, really, really amazing. He would do okay. write, write these really smart political songs in the 60s and do this like incredible deadpan 
sort of joking in between. And cool. uh, yeah, I just think it's neat that he was a uh, science teacher really for a lot longer than being than he was doing that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I just thought I just it just occurred to me that uh, I have a very Boston thing on my person, which is mm-hmm. yesterday in the mail. I didn't have time to go back and see my family this trip I just went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, so my dad snail mailed me three different $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift cards he oh, got yeah, from because he gets a $5 gift card every time he donates blood. And then he'll just save, save them up and mail them to me because <laughs> there's one not too far from here. That's very sweet. It's very nice. It's to... such a weird token. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's important to my family that I go to Dunkin' Donuts every once in a while because otherwise I think that they're like, you've lost your culture. Hey, I don't well, know. We'd love it if you'd go to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> my mom has a really bad Boston accent that I, when I was, my dad doesn't because he's a, he's a journalist and he used to travel a lot. And so when he had a Boston accent, people would know what team he worked for right away. And Uh they'd be like, oh, he works for the Bruins. And so he had to like untrain himself. And I remember going to him when I was like, like pretty young and I had gotten in a fight with my mom and I was like you sound stupid and everyone hates you and because she has such a thick like uh-huh. straight up pock the car <laughs> shit and I I like overheard her at a PTA meeting and I was like she sounds like an idiot and oh, God. like went to my dad and I was like teach me how to talk like not that and Please. then he like ta- taught me how to untrain my Boston accent really so young can you go back to it I do it now yeah I do it in cartoons a lot Oh, yeah. Where I do a cartoon uh, where I play two Boston cops and uh, yes. uh, Zamboni Crimes Division. I've seen this. And yeah. The, Zamboni the, Crime Division. The, Division. <laughs> Zamboni Crime Division. <laughs> on uh, Super Deluxe. On, uh, I, well, right now it's like uh, it was on this network called Cafe for a little bit. And then I just sort of kept doing it because I, I like doing Cafe it. Cafe were the people who put up that uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, Pokemon go to the polls. The very first time I saw a meme that made fun of that, it was on Cafe. Really? They're they're an interesting, yeah. They're RT owned? Kind of seem that way. I don't know. I'm not sure. But (laughs) I should look into that. But they put out they they put out Zamboni Crimes Division, and then they also put out a series they did called Rat Teens. Uh, I've also seen Rat Teens. Yeah. Yes, I enjoyed that. But yeah, the Boston accents mainly are through the uh, through through the Zamboni cartoons now. Um, my friend who is from Boston mm-hmm. sent me your Rat Teens video and said, "I'd like to make videos more like this." Um, really? Yeah, yeah. So that was. I mean, that's kind of what interests me about you is that you know you seem to be like sort of. Uh, obviously expressing yourself and doing all this stuff. And you are an anomaly in that you are a unique human being, Jamie Loftus. Thanks. Uh, Jamie being short for? Jamifer. 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 Bethany Loftus. And uh, is it really Jamifer? No. Oh, I wish. (laughs) That would be wild. My mom wanted to name me Randy with an I, which would have been. (laughs) That's great. A really interesting creative decision on her part. And I would have had to be a stripper. (laughs) Like that really seals your fate in an interesting way. You don't ever have to be a stripper. But if your name's Randy Loftus, like you'd be foolish not to. (laughs) Don't take advantage of that. Randy Loftus. What a horrible name. Part of stripping is like. You know, the, diff- the reason some people don't do it is just they can't think of a name to change it to. 
So if right. You just have if that you've furnished with already, the name, then yeah. yeah. Like mine, I have a good stripper name. Up next, Nick. 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 <laughs> it's, it's simple. Nick. It's simple. I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Jamie Loftus, the great Jamie Loftus. Follow her on Twitter, Jamie Loftus Help, and go to Jamie Loftus is Innocent to find out more about her. And for me, if you really want to help the podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you enjoy my stand-up, some of the weird creative stuff I do, the bad news is <laughs> it hasn't turned a profit yet. I have some support, which is amazing. The patrons and the people who um, have contributed to my Kofi account help immeasurably, and listeners help immeasurably, and I, I have those, and you know what? Frankly, I'd like more. So this is the part where I tell you if you do want to help and you don't have funds, which I completely understand, uh, I've been there millions of times, um, you can just uh, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. And uh, if you really want to, you can uh, write a glowing review and rate it five stars. That all goes a long way on, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and yeah, telling your friends about it is another big thing. If there's something you like on the podcast, you know, share it. Uh, and then finally, I mentioned to money earlier, you can donate to me uh, on a monthly level at co that's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan, kofi.com. Uh, there are no fees at all. Um, so I would get the bulk of the money that you offer, whereas Patreon takes a little bit. Um, you can become a monthly donor for as low as a dollar. And uh, I do put exclusive content both on Patreon and on Kofi. So whichever you donate to, even if you're a one-time donator, you will have two months of exclusive content and it, things can be as low as a dollar. So yeah, that really, really helps because uh, I like to give Andy money, the producer, my producer, Andy. I like to cover costs and oddly enough, there are costs and frankly, if I make enough money, there's just going to be more costs because I try to put as much into the podcast as I can with the money I make. So you're awesome. And I don't mind if you contribute nothing for the length of time that you listen to this because I'm just putting it out there. But if you do want to support, that would be amazing. And if you give uh, I, I'll also do commissions on Kofi. So if you want have a request for something you'd like me to do, write lyrics for you, write a special meditation for you. Um, do a leave a little phone message for an answering machine message i don't expect any of that but i'm willing to do it so yeah and if you have a business and you're interested in sponsoring us let me know i'd be happy to or if you just want to let me know about a business you're doing um i would probably be happy to just tell people about it you know because i appreciate you listening okay this was long you're wonderful back to the interview with jamie um, so, uh, what I was going to say is I think that you're actually, what you're doing sort of seems to maybe represent the, uh, uh, a demographic in a way, you know, oh. a group of people, young people who all like expressing themselves this way, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Do you have people contacting you saying, yeah, here's I... my stuff, you know, like, like creative people being like mm -hmm. inspired by, uh, there, there are like a lot, a lot of times where yeah i'll i'll hear from young people or, or meet people at shows i'm always interested when i like do go out on the road of like 
the way the ways people find me tend to be mm-hmm. kind of all over the place and different yeah. where that's great that you go on the road by the way i think it's amazing it's fun i really like it it's really important and it's, yeah you know because you could not do that so easily once you kind of get into los angeles you know right but that's so that's such a that that's such a horrific thought of being like oh now i'm i'm just here now you it know it's horrific right it's like you have to talk to people or what are you doing you know mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's always interesting to me to like, <laughs> I did a, I did a bunch of shows in Indiana last week and there was like one person who came up to me and they were like, they went to a show, be, not because they had, they went to a show because they wanted to ask me about a different personality at super deluxe. And did I think they were nice? And I was like, this is a wild Yo, way to get an answer to that question. Really like? Right. Like What's they just wanted to know about another person. And then there's other people who like see cartoons or, or it's or some people are just Twitter. It's 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 interesting seeing mm. where people come from and and uh yeah, how, how they receive it based on why they're there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see your focuses narrowing as you get older, or do you do you think I still like all of this, so I'll still keep doing it? I'm kind of afraid of letting any single thing go. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm sort of adamantly continuing to do all the things. Uh, I understand this urge. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I like doing it all and it, you know, means different things to different people and that's mm. important to me. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there'll come a time where I have to, but I don't like to think about that i i i've been like making less cartoons lately and it makes me feel antsy and mm. fidgety and bad i don't want you to feel like that thanks i don't want to feel that but it's like you know sometimes there's just like not time to do it uh but I, i'm not gonna stop doing any one thing conversely i've been trying to do different things for many years mm-hmm. and i feel like now uh i it's i less good at any of the things (laughs) well there is like the jack of all trades thing yeah i don't know i mean it's it's i am a handyman of it i'm an entertainment handyman (laughs) i don't do union rates not gonna get union level work but i can do you need a puppet show right because i can do that (laughs) i can do that do you want me to do a little cartoon for you i could do a little cartoon for you i actually don't draw cartoons but i do write stuff yeah yeah i mean it's like i don't yeah, it seems very easy for for people to like let stuff. They're like, I don't know. That that's like a lot of people you meet here specifically. They're like, oh, I do f- five hundred things, mm-hmm. but then once one of them works, they're like, okay, fuck the other four hundred ninety nine. I was yeah, like, nah, but those are. I know. I like those. I mean, I don't stop doing those. What about your relationship with stand up? Now, now, yeah. The thing when I first performed with you, uh-huh. uh I believe you were eating dog food. That would have been the time I was eating dog food, yeah. And and this and 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 at that point it started to seem to me like you were doing a lot of sort of like long form, like dare level kind of things. Again, mm-hmm. which kind of brings it to like performance art a little bit. But yeah. And that was something where you were eating dog food for like a certain amount of time or something. Was it like I feel like there was some I think what, the, what is the story between the joke I was the dog food joke? The joke I was doing then, I think with the dog food had to do with like I couldn't afford uh health care to mm-hmm. get uh to get panic medicine and so i invented my own three-step system 
to deal with panic attacks. Wow. And then the final step would be eating the dog food. So I tried to contextualize it. So yeah, uh, this is like something you were actually doing for self-medication in a way. I, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and uh -huh. it was, uh, I did that joke for, I guess like, a, like I, I stopped doing it eventually because it reached the point where it's like, people would be like, oh, are you going to do the dog food joke? I'm like, oh, I have to stop. I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this because then that'll be the only thing people know. And yeah. that will be, that will be unfortunate. Uh, and I'm bringing it back, baby. Right. It was like, let's <laughs> do it. half your old bit that you don't do anymore. I, right. So, but yeah, that, I, I was doing that then. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just toured and did a tour that was like half just stand up and then half uh, performance art. Um, and I, I like they, they cross over enough that some bits can function mm -hmm. in both shows. Like, so that's yeah. cool. Um, but that I mean, that's always the place where I feel like I can crystallize ideas that show up in cartoons later or uh -huh. like stand up feels like a really like it's the most important thing to me like the live performance stuff that's my favorite mm -hmm. and it's interesting to like look at all the stuff i'm doing live and it's like okay how can i does this i where does this idea fit like any given idea there's some medium where it fits the best mm -hmm. and then it's just like experimenting and figuring out what that is um so when you I'm going to keep talking about dog food. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So this was something that was really happening to you at the time of that bit being written. You could not get medication. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, this that would have been, that would have been like pr May pretty much. 2016 that we must have done that show. That was like the month before I, I went to the hospital for stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So that bit was very much uh bit of that moment. So you came to LA at like the beginning of 2016. Yeah, late 2015, yeah. Late 2015. Plucked, plunked yourself down in st Studio City, Universal Studios. I, <laughs> I was living in Inglewood, and then I was living, living in West in Hollywood. Yeah. Inglewood, and then West Hollywood. Yeah. Um, And you had, well, from the sounds of it, it was a difficult first year then. It was a pretty horrendous first year, and I am like, why, <laughs> why didn't I leave? But I didn't, and uh, but yeah, my first year here was pretty rough. My second last year was the worst for me. Yeah, and then also the year before. <laughs> I, it's this past year. I feel <laughs> the current very, year is better because there's less of it. There's right. I mean, just things just haven't gotten had the chance to get really bad yet. But no, yeah. they've had the chance and it's happened. But oh, okay. uh, then there's also been good stuff. I, uh, you know, have screen guards. That's true. I mean, this is, I feel very safe. <laughs> I feel like we and the mics are very safe. You are safe. They're uh, <laughs> always a very reassuring thing to hear. Nothing, nothing reassures a woman more than a male just going, you are safe. You are safe. You are safe. Just in case you don't feel safe, I decided to tell you, you are safe. And, and if you don't think you're safe, you, you are wrong. Safe. <laughs> There, but yeah, uh, my first year in LA was was pr pretty horrendous in every way, uh, and now that, that yeah, May twenty sixteen would have been like may maybe like the the like pew you know like the final before I kind of had to figure my shit out, and then twenty seventeen was better in most ways. Well, I'm very happy that you sort of figured 
things out by going into your your, your mid twenties. Oh, thank you so much. Because a lot of time it takes a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there's still work no, to mean, be yeah, done. Not. But now you're fully realized. Like, what are you gonna yeah, do? I'm done. I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna end it all now. You know, just Don't. like be chill. Uh, but no, it was, yeah, when I was. I was 23 when that when all that happened. Where I just like I I had a bunch of like I just like didn't know I had OCD. I didn't know I had bipolar. Yeah. And so once I knew that and could handle that, then I was able to better harness the manic energy I cannot get rid of and yeah. do useful things with it instead of uh, self sabotaging. I died, got diagnosed with ADHD in 2014, so oh, okay. I was probably. I want to say 55 when I was diagnosed. <laughs> and um, it's the, I, I found like I haven't solved it at all. You right. Know, it's all very, still very difficult to sort out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any suggestions? No, that's one. Well, ADHD sounds, I mean, grass is always greener, but that means you get like Adderall, right? You get Vyvanse or Dexedrine or whatever, but it's not good. I want. No, I, it makes it you sounds, smoke a lot of cigs. Sounds great. You're like, I got smoke, get an oral so fixation. Fun. That sounds. Oh, sorry. No. You have a disease that makes you cool. Yeah. You smoke but, cigs and get Adderall. But you know, you wind up being like, it doesn't. It, those drugs don't help you use your brain to decide the priorities of things that need to get done, which is like the main problem with something like with ADHD. It. Sure. It, those drugs make you go. Well, I'm going to organize uh, my cassettes for another two hours until they're ready. You know, well, it a- just gives you that speedy kind of uh, over concentration that can be used in for good. But I kind of need the other step, which is like this therapy that gets you to know what to do. That's uh, the right to, to stay organized. But mm-hmm. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, that We're sounds trying. That sounds OCD adjacent a little bit. Where yeah, I just I've, don't have any of those specific knocks. I have. Oh, I, mine isn't like a physical OCD at so all. So, what it's kind all, of OCD was it? It was like brain OCD, where it was like uh, I would just get something caught in my head of like, oh, if I don't finish this cartoon today. Uh, you know, whatever. All that's is good. All that's is so lost. useful. Yeah, but then if but if you apply <laughs> that same logic to your personal relationships, of course, yes, it spirals out pretty. Yeah, quickly. I do think I'm actually kind of adjacent to that in that I am the sort of person who has, uh, you know, like if something turns you off, mm-hmm. for you to like address your brain and go, there is no reason for you to be that grossed out or turned off by this person saying this one thing you're taking it oh okay this exact way you know and mm-hmm. and you and it's really hard for me to like move the that kind of a boulder you know sure. like an inter like a sort of like inherent reaction yeah like when it's just like when you ca- catch a thought it's just harder to let go of for yeah. whatever reason yeah and that was always the case for me and then it just i think moving here just amplified yeah that and so then within a year of moving here it was like Okay, we let's uh let's figure this out and then did a bunch of like kind of drained my savings doing this very specific cool, you kind had savings. of True, I did uh I did work I the my year before moving here, I worked two full-time jobs which was 
OCD manic. <laughs> and I didn't tell either of the jobs. I was working a different full-time job. So I did that. So I was getting two salaries for a year. And I just didn't tell anybody. That's so crazy. And then, right. It was like, I was like, I don't know how that was so humanly wait, possible. One job but I did was it. like a nine to five. And the other was what? I had to arrange my schedule in such a specific way. No, as I I worked full time at the Boston Globe and I would be there from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. six days a week. Yeah. And that was one. And then I managed uh, a comedy theater and I would leave the globe the jamie comedy there i managed i i was a manager of this place called improv part boston. of that great riffing i just like that, <laughs> that, that boston I'm comedy institution podcast like i want the type <laughs> of riffing i to be just end people trying to you- riff because it's just so much of a bummer to hear um so <laughs> but you were the, saying that what was the name of the theater uh it's called improv boston okay Pre- famous uh, place famous place it was uh, yeah. it was it's a great theater yeah. uh but i would go there and i would be there from like 3 p.m to 9 p.m six days a week and then i would go do other shows and do stand-up and do shit like that afterwards Ding ho. and so it was just like <laughs> <laughs> You do comedy at the Ding Ho? No, it doesn't exist anymore. Do you ever do comedy at Boston.com? There, no, but I worked at Boston.com. There is, so yeah, so I did that for uh, over a year and neither job, like I just arranged the schedule so that no one would ever have to ask me what I was I wasn't doing. trying to intimate that you had money from savings because of your family or anything. Oh, no. Uh, but I am glad that you made a point to say that you bootstrapped it and you used this OCD thing to your advantage. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Everyone's using it to their advantage. Mine has been to this tremendous disadvantage. <laughs> I mean, um, that's generally, yeah. You know, like so far the only advantage I have is you get more pity from people. If you seem stressed out and confused. That's true. And in grief. I've found that to be true. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a plus. But, uh, you know, um, I'm glad you managed to do all that. I feel like I'm going to keep talking. I want to keep talking about some things, though. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, oh, there's things. You wrote that. So you were writing writing articles. You're also, you've done some freelance writing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I worked as a journalist for, for a while. Uh, with was that your degree, uh, journalism? No, my degree was in public radio. Okay. Yeah. But that could bleed into being able to write. Yeah. A bit, yeah. You know? It 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 definitely crossed over. So do you have a public radio uh, voice? I I did for a while. Yeah, I used to do it. We I worked at this uh, public radio station in college. I worked there, and that was like how I was kind of paying my bills then. Uh, I was like a program director there and mm-hmm. would do like the morning drive. Mm-hmm. It was like an alt music radio station. Our demo was 35 to 49. Uh-huh. And I would be like 18 and being like, we're going to listen to some Bruce Springsteen. Sure. You'd and be like, everybody, uh, I hope you enjoy this song. It's by Bob Seeger. Right, right. We're like listening rock to. And roll. It was a dad station, but it was run by teenagers. It was very bizarre. Today we'll be listening to. Asia by Steely Dan. So get out your, get out your your loafers. If we <laughs> if we got wild, we'd be yeah. like dads. Portugal the <laughs> Is man. Is that what you would always say? Dads. dads. Welcome, dads. Dads. Portugal the man dropped a hot new track last night. Um, was man. not a particularly edgy station, but I, I liked working there a lot, and I ended up switching my major to 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 radio, which was you know stupid, but. 
worked a bunch of jobs where it's like I was at that public radio station, but then I also um, my big like internship, which turned into a job, was uh, a Boston morning zoo radio show, mm-hmm. which was horrific i mean there's not a worse place except maybe philadelphia to be working at a morning zoo radio show it was it was fucking abysmal but that was how you met uh fitzsimmons right there <laughs> fitzsimmons no. was a guest one morning and yeah like, kickstarted that was i think that that was like one of the first times i was paid to do something comedy ish yeah that's cool but it was oh it was it was bad though like they would they had a character called like ernie the naughty christmas elf and Mm. they were like jamie you do stand up you should write jokes for ernie and Mm. i was like 20 i was like okay and i was like wrote these horrible (laughs) jokes for this stupid radio (laughs) elf um so that was great you did some morning radio writing yeah, I mean, yeah. big credit. Still use it to this day. <laughs> Carlson and Mackenzie show. WZLX. WZLX. Zulks. Mm-hmm. WZLX. WZLX. Classic how... rock. If you can imagine. Um, what else was And then you wrote you wrote an article. You wrote a... You wrote a Sounds Cha- like me. You were, This was very you. You wrote a Chappelle... You wrote an article about Chappelle's oh. special. I know. I want to talk. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> I got a lot of death threats off that article. I don't really okay. want to talk about it. I don't want you to get any more death threats. So I'd really rather not. Yeah. But we can talk about de- death threats in general on the internet. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. Um, because I guess that's kind of another thing that I see you as, as like a, someone who's getting a lot of death threats. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, probably because you're a woman who says stuff. Yeah, I mean, time. that when is... When you were on Twitter, obviously, I'm sure it was much... That was when it was happening more, I don't... Not really. It's weird. It's it's like there have been very isolated examples of, like... But in general, I it's weird. I feel like it's possible to exist on the internet in this little corner where people don't really bug you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had that much trouble on Twitter. I think that... Uh, mainly, it's just been, like, the bigger companies that I've worked for, the more you know vitriol you so like if you're doing something for super deluxe and that has a lot of eyes on it then yeah that you'll get a response get, that was like you'll get you'll get shit yeah which is like par for the course everyone's going to it is yes yeah. uh i guess uh I, I was asking about that because it was a leading question because i kind of think that illustration style your your thing you're almost like a posy version of like these over these people whose brains are working a million miles an hour, but are like bad <laughs> okay. and are like, you know, sort of, I don't want to say 4chan, it's very boring to say 4chan. It's very, it's, it's inaccurate to sort of say 4chan is bad because it's not actually all bad. It's just that it was taken over so brutally. That... I'm yeah, I've never heard a good thing about it, but I've also never really liked it. I think for a minute it was just like awkward people talking about anime and you know and, yeah and in haphazard ways but uh and and the fact you're also boston there's all these people i know who are from boston and have this type of thing i don't know where this is going as a point okay i'm listening good um thank you i do appreciate being heard okay um you're seeing you're heard and i just wonder if that maybe there is something about your personality and your type of output that actually does kind of make those kinds of people feel good 
and and these kinds of people who would normally be uh quick to jump on stuff you know right like, maybe like to me you fall in i have a big alt-right following is what you're saying do you <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but i don't think the alt-right people are like the people who are still in that identifying thing are like the most troubled interneters terrible of all time. people i'm not really talking yeah, about bad people. your groipers or your uh you know uh pepe the people who are still rocking the pepe stuff right i kind of mean people who are like there's this really tricky uh middle ground now that's like seems like it's these people who have truly been tricked into thinking that like the biggest threat to everything is sjw's and right keeping and all of that kind of thing and and it's like i don't know if all of those people are bad people mm -hmm. but they're definitely like making a big deal out of something and there's definitely yeah there's definitely gray area with some some people i don't know i think that like i've had a lot of experiences with when people do give me shit usually they don't expect a follow-up question and i don't i don't like wage i don't like arguing with people and i don't like waging internet war on individuals yeah i just don't have and, and 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 there's a lot of comedians who are very good at that and like if they get shit from someone they will rightfully yeah. throw hate right back at them but i i don't i've found more um peace and i just think it's more interesting to ask like a genuine follow-up question to someone who's like giving you a hard time and usually they do not have a good answer and then that causes them to question themselves and then you can have like a weird interesting conversation like not too long ago i that i stopped reading the comments on super deluxe videos because it was just like it's just too much and yeah, and it's not there's nothing constructive that's going to happen uh, yeah i mean no yeah no but there there was one time where i accidentally did and i like scrolled past it and i saw a comment that was like was not uh, it was like very specific and not, it was just very bizarre. And it was this guy who was starting a hot or not thread about me. And then there was like 500 responses and it was like this big long. And I was just like, this is so annoying to me and frustrating and everything that I just bugs me and makes me feel bad and weird. And so I started responding to the thread because no one ever expects you know right. me to see it sure and then i i ended up having a conversation with this guy for like an hour and i was like oh you should Venmo me 50 dollars for emotional distress uh -huh. and he and we ended up having a conversation about like well why does that distress you and like blah 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 and we and ended up like he did Venmo me twenty dollars which was tight and, uh, and then he came to my show in new york last week so that was uh, so so that was like an example of Did like you guys hug. No, I would never make physical contact with this person, but I do appreciate that they, you know, hopefully that interaction made them think about uh, why would I treat a random woman that way uh, and act as if you you know that person might actually see it. Now, I'm so thankful that you. Managed to turn my rambling question into actually <laughs> sort of relating it all into something. So thank you. Oh, you're for welcome. That. I think we're probably done. Okay. But do you want to talk about Beck? 
Bechtel. The Bechtel test? I always want to say Bechtel tested because there's a show in Toronto called Bechtel Bechtel tested Mm -hmm. that is a movie series. And oh, I okay. always think of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Bechtel Cast uh, is a weekly podcast I do. My friend Caitlin Durante comes out every Thursday. We yes. t- we take a, an old favorite of uh, of our guests, and we um, take a look at how it, the movie treats women. And it's not as academic as it <laughs> sounds. It's very <laughs> it's very very fun. Um. Are there more movies that treat women nice or more of that treated? No, so nice? no, most of them are pretty bad. But then there are some that will surprise us. I was going to ask, what's, uh, one, what are ones that surprised you? We just did an episode on Chocolat, which oh, yeah. is a movie that I was like kind of blown away at how good it is, uh-huh. uh, especially in the way it treats its female characters, Yeah, um, which is, I mean, any movie that came out in 2001, you're like, oh, chances are it's not going to treat women that well. <laughs> but there are anomalies, and that was one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been, there's, you know, like there's movies that have good, like... like it's inter- A lot of the movies that I've found that are like came out around that time specifically that are good to women are marketed as if they won't be, which is very uh-huh. bizarre. Like what other movies? You've got mail? Uh, I, I have... dogs? <laughs> we haven't done either of those. But there's like Chocolat, the 90, like most of the movie poster is... Johnny Depp's face and Johnny totally. Depp's in that movie for 15 minutes, you know, right. so it's like not marketed as a movie that's about this amazing female protagonist, but it is, yeah. but like, it's not marketed that way. Isn't it the woman he wound up uh, being, was it Vanessa Paradis who's in it or is it, um, oh, is it the lady from it's uh, Juliette Binoche? Oh God. Well, she's so amazing. She's great. I mean, that's the she's thing so about so many of these movies where it can be, I feel like it would be a difficult thing to even sort of sussing out whether it's feminist or not because sometimes of the strength of a, lead actor or something Uh, yeah i mean usually it's like there's a lot of times where it's like oh man this uh here's this amazing actress doing a great job but she's still being forced to do all 900 tropes of like what women are forced to do in movies or or kill bill is an example of a movie that probably hits some some that's an interesting one where it like does hit some points but then it's to an extent like the fetishized version of a strong female character or i don't know i mean there's there's Mm -hmm. a lot of weird Weird shit. And then there's things like fetishizing, you know, does that sort of cross? I think fetish. Does that cross genders in terms of do when, you know, when people of both genders see ideals, you know? I think that like, yeah, male strength is super fetishized too. But Of course, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of something we're trying to be more cognizant of is like, like toxic masculinity is shown in such a particular way in, in movies too. Um, and I feel like in very few movies or is just starting to be kind of vilified in movies uh-huh. instead of glorified. So, you know, there's uh yeah, we talk about a lot of shit. We also yell a lot and drink Mike's hard lemonade, which is fun. Oh, that's a great, one of the earliest types of drinks I drank was Mike's hard lemonade. Mm-hmm. That's you're going to want to get that out of your system early. Yeah. yeah. And in my system. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jamie, it has been lovely. Thank oh, you for it's been lovely being, being here. here. Yeah, of course. In this house. It's a nice house. I don't own it. I don't live here. It's a nice house, though. It is nice. Yeah. With pictures of dogs. Yeah. Right near the Dunkin' Donuts. Amazing. We're near a Dunkin' Donuts? 100%, yeah. I'm going to go oh, there. Oh, the one in Atwater. Right mm-hmm. Well, I think you should go and use the, the gift certificate. I've got gift cards. I might as well. Well, 
George. (laughs) 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 You can stop. Okay. And that was Jamie Loftus. Thank you for listening to that. Uh, That was recorded at my friend Graham's uh, apartment as it was basically being moved out and I was staying there. So uh, by apartment, I mean large condo home uh, in, where was that? That was like Silver Lake area. So that was recorded in Los Angeles. And I, I feel like you can feel the sheen. And I don't mean Charlie, but he was probably in the city as well. So go check out Jamie Loftus is into innocent.com for info on Jamie and also Jamie Loftus help on Twitter. And that those are great ways to uh, get into the Jamie Loftus thing. And I, I don't think you'll regret it. And uh, yeah, if you're in town of Toronto, you know, we've got I'm going to be uh, emceeing a show with my friends band Beast Music the 29th or the uh, the 31st of January. The 29th, I'll very likely be opening up for a reading of Grown Ups 3 at the Bad Dog Theater. <laughs> and um, yeah, some other stuff. The second Sunday, I'll be with AL Senior at the um, Transac, as I always am, the second Sunday of February. Which is a... I think that's February 9th. I'll be with AL. So... Anyway, enjoy the show, and uh, I don't know what show I mean. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm going to make another coffee. doesn't seem like a good idea, but that's what I'm going to do. Peace. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. Flanagan. Oh, Weekly. Oh, man. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.